always feel very insulted when people say, oh, those talking heads in your, I'm like, talking heads? Those are not talking heads. Those are close-ups, close-ups into a human being. I'm Mitch. And I'm Missy. We're co-workers. He's the boss and we're married. And she's the boss. Together, we host Good Faith Weekly, a podcast on faith and culture. What could possibly go wrong? Tune in and find out. Missy. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, it is Thanksgiving week, and we want to wish all of you out there in the podcast world a happy Thanksgiving. Missy and I are going to catch up here in a little bit and talk about some important issues. And then later on in the pod, we sit down with Laurent Bouzereau, who's an award-winning French-American filmmaker and best-selling author. His most recent feature documentary is HBO's Mama's Boy. It's going to be a great pod, so stay tuned. Happy Thanksgiving, Missy. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. I mean, we're dropping this episode a little bit early this week on a Wednesday so that, you know, you can get in the kitchen and start cooking. (laughs) (laughs) True. Although we did sort of lie, I guess, to our listeners because we told them last week, Happy Thanksgiving, we were supposed to take this week off. Yeah, but I mean, we're so committed to the work. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then for a couple of reasons, one very important reason we'll talk about in our wrap up, but another reason we decided to go ahead and drop an, an episode today is that um, we knew everybody would be traveling to grandma's. What yes. else are you going to listen to but us? That's right. right? So, hey, so, kids, listen up in the back. Be quiet. Right. Mom <laughs> and dad got a very... In. They're well, not that's paying true. attention. <laughs> So we thought, you know, this would be a great time because we interviewed Laurent and he's got a documentary out. So you can listen to the pod on the way to grandma's. And then while you're in a turkey induced stupor on the couch and need something to watch, you can watch the documentary and then maybe like soften the hearts of some family members who may be like (laughs) not as like-minded as we are. (laughs) Wow. I mean, we're just going to go ahead and just push the Christmas miracle into December and hopeful. Be hopeful for a Thanksgiving miracle. Is that what you're trying that's, to say? That's right. That's right. So we, we really did think this would be a great week to drop um, an, an interview I mean, anytime, with a, a director. Well, anytime my inbox has the words HBO filmmaker and director in it, I am going to return that email. Oh, of course you are. Of course you are. So before we get started today, I do want to take a moment uh, of, of privilege here because I've got a microphone and note two other things or people that I want to express and just, just incredible thanks for today. So do you mind? Oh, no, well, I mean, I'm yeah. going to be embarrassed. It's but not go right you. It. Oh, yeah. okay. um, <laughs> one is our media producer, Cliff Vaughn, who each and every week, takes whatever just trash we might send him <laughs> and makes it sound cohesive. I, I know when you asked me in the summer to start doing this with you, I did not want to do this in any way, shape, or form because I knew I would not speak I don't know. I knew I would say silly, stupid things. Anyways. I think the phrase is, I wouldn't speak well, but you go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> See, there you go. Um, and I 
Clifford the Big Red Dog is awesome, <laughs> and we love him so, very no, much. He's wonderful, but he just he edits us so well and takes good care of us. I trust him um, to leave in the things that people would find funny and take out the things that might get me fired. So um, thank you to Cliff for all that you do. Uh, he's sight unseen, but he he's the one that makes this possible. And then um, my next person I'm thankful for is Callie, who does all of our social media and marketing. She's the one that puts together posts and pulls quotes and our fun political ads from last week, I think it was, or two weeks ago, which, by the way... Yeah. We did not do an official vote or an official poll, but if you have checked social media, I am blowing you out of the park <laughs> in votes and support. I mean, you've got a margarita in your so hand. I, I will mean. tell you this. Much like reproductive rights, if you start taking away people's right to ranch and olives, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> Apparently, that is uh, randalism is out this year. That's this right. So, cycle, anyways, so. I just thanks to Cliff and Callie for all the work that they yeah. do behind the scenes on this podcast. Um, I am always so nervous to listen because I don't ever feel good about an episode. But when I, I do listen, I just I see what what they do and and how they work hard to make us sound as good as we possibly can. Well, we've got an incredible team, and you know, just for this podcast, I mean, you and I work really hard on the interviews and intro and outro. But like you just said, then we hand it over to the professionals. We're just a couple of monkeys with a microphone. That's right. <laughs> but we hand it over to the professionals, and they do such a great job. Cliff is just an extraordinary editor and award-winning documentarian. And if he cuts out any of this, he's going to be fired. So true. Uh, true, true, true that. And then we, Callie, I mean, gosh, I mean, she's 20-something years old and just an incredible presence on social media and just makes us look so good not only the podcast but the entire organization absolutely so thanks to you both for all of the work you do behind the scenes as well as the rest of the team which we will find ways to um pat them on the back as as time goes on because they everyone on our team deserves just incredible recognition we have a fabulous um team of co-workers that i'm very thankful for so changing gears um Laurent Bouzereau, who we interviewed today, is a documentarian who just, um, they just released in, I think, last month, a documentary called Mama's Boy. And it is about, I think you mentioned in the opening, um, about uh, Lance Black, who is a young man who is an Academy Award winning. Greenwriter for Milk, which is about Harvey Milk, um, you know, won the Academy Award for that. It starred uh, Sean Penn. An incredible movie about an incredible individual that really was, uh, he was a gay man living in San Francisco and became an incredible advocate for rights, for inclusivity and rights. So just an extraordinary story. But uh, Lance wrote but this. This is about Lance. Yeah. He's a screenwriter. It's a documentary of his life, which is equally fascinating. And um, so anyways, it's a fantastic uh, documentary. Definitely watch it. But he does, in the interview today, mention an underlying theme to the documentary is that Lance grew up in the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. And he mentions Laurent. Ah, big news this week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Laurent mentions the, the Mormon church coming out in support of the Respect for Marriage Act in Congress. And when we interviewed him, like we had not even heard that news yet, so we, d- we didn't camp out there. But I did want to make note of it that this is big news um, for people in the Mormon church um, to now, th- well, it's a piece, it's a piece of legislation that you know was a marriage equality act, and what made it so significant is that 
the Mormon Church decided not to oppose that piece of legislation, opening the door for Mormon families to lend their support to their gay and lesbian children. Uh, so it was very significant. Laurent was super excited about it. And once you hear the interview, and then afterwards, when you watch the documentary, don't watch it while you're driving, listen right. to the book about Lance's uh, life story. It's going to make a lot more sense because of their Mormon background. But big news this week. You're absolutely right. Yes, and I think we don't, I mean, I don't quite understand or can't grasp the concept of someone in the Mormon church who is told if your child comes out as gay, you have to cut off relationship with them. And so how just deeply important this is for families to now have that permission to be able to still support and love and be in relationship with, with families and friends, you know, whoever that they, they know and love that, that may be in a same-sex relationship. So it's, yeah, big news. Yeah, big news. And, you know, another piece of news, and of course, this event took place after, the interview took place before uh, the latest news coming out of Colorado Springs this week. But before we launch into the interview with uh, Laurent, I just want to take time, Missy, just take some silence uh, here on this podcast, because here we have another shooting Colorado Springs this time at Club Q, a LGBTQ bar. We had young people there, families, couples there to celebrate and have a good time. And a very troubled individual walked in with a long rifle and began to shoot up the place, killing five as of this recording and injuring over 20. Here we are again. And how apropos it is, we're talking to Laurent and about his movie and about the advancement of LGBTQ inclusivity and equality this week as he told Lance Black's story. But we're just reminded as much progress as we have made, even in the laws such as we just talked about, we still have a long ways to go. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that after the interview. Um, but, yes, it was definitely devastating news coming out of Colorado Sunday morning. So before we go uh, to the interview with uh, Laurent Bozeroux, then please uh, join Missy and myself as we take about 10 seconds to remember those who have died this week of Thanksgiving and those who are laying in a hospital. We've got a long ways to go, folks. We've got a very special guest with us all the way from Los Angeles, California. Laurent Bouzereau is an award-winning French-American filmmaker and best-selling author. His most recent feature documentary is HBO's Mama's Boy. Mama's Boy centers around the upbringing of the Academy Award-winning screenwriter of Milk, Dustin Lance Black. Traveling back to the places where he grew up, Black explores his childhood roots, gay identity, and close relationship with his mother, who overcame childhood polio, abusive marriages, and Mormon 
German dogma while becoming Black's emotional rock and ultimately the inspiration for his activism. Laurent's other credits include the documentary film Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind, and the acclaimed series Five Came Back, based upon the book by Mark Harris. Laurent has produced and directed hundreds of behind-the-scenes documentaries, and most recently on Steven Spielberg's West Side Story and The Fablemans. Laurent, welcome to Good Faith Weekly. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. It's so nice to meet you. And... Um, Ask questions. <laughs> well, it is an honor to be with you, sir. Laurent, we first want to congratulate you on a beautiful documentary. We just were both. I oh watched it on an so airplane great. the other day flying home and was embarrassing myself, just <laughs> getting so teary-eyed and touched. So what drew you to direct this project? You know, first of all, I thank you so much for your kind, kind words on the film. I, I have to say it's one of those films that... I can watch and sort of still tear up myself. So uh, um, I'm I'm so happy that it has touched uh, um, others like yourself. Um, what drew me to it was I was finishing up my film on Natalie Wood and I saw Lance's book on the shelves. Uh, it had just come out and um, I started reading it. And I, even though I come from a complete different background, I immediately found a little sliver of a mirror in it. And I found great inspiration in it. And I was like, wow, if me, who grew up in France and and can relate to this story, uh, um, uh, I think it, it, it can speak to other people. So uh, it also, this is kind of a weird way of putting it, but it checked all the boxes of what... I, I wanted to explore, which is always themes of family, uh, uh, um, gay identity, uh, um, uh, mother-son relationship, all, all those themes that are very universal and relatable. I felt, you know, politics in a sense, uh, religion. Uh, um, I felt it checked the boxes of, of something that felt very important and very current and very fresh and young and, and, and something for people to be inspired by and maybe, you know, make a difference. I never, I never want to assume that my work makes a difference, but this story certainly touched me so deeply that I felt maybe it will make a difference with one family. And if that's the case, you know, it's a victory. Uh, um, so I contacted Lance directly through Instagram uh, <laughs> um, and uh, he responded, uh, was familiar with my work and and had been approached to do the, the the story of his mom as a narrative film by a couple of, of companies. And, and uh, he felt very strongly that it should first be a, a, a documentary. So when I called, when I contacted him, you know, when we eventually spoke, he felt, you know, uh, um, uh, he kind of confirmed his, his own interest. And he said, listen, you know, I want this to be your film. So he was, uh, but I'll help you and I'll connect with my, my family and, and, and with my friends and everybody, I think, you, you know, could be helpful, but I'll provide you with pictures, but this is your movie. So uh, um, the journey sort of began uh, pretty quickly. We partnered up with Platon, Tom Hanks's company and Gary Gutzman and, and, and my friends of 30 years uh, uh, at Amblin uh, Television and Amblin uh, 
uh, Dale Frank and Justin Falvey and and um, and also a new company called LD Entertainment, new for me. They've been around for a long time, and they had just done um, a very successful uh, documentary, and uh, they came on board and financed the film. And uh, um, along the way, we partnered up with HBO, and here we are. Well, you'll be glad to know that you said you found his book and then decided to make the documentary, and. I- as soon as I finished watching the documentary, I immediately downloaded and started listening to the book. So full circle, I'm about halfway through. It's fantastic. Yeah, Missy was telling me that, I mean, you've captured the, not only the spirit, but the essence of the book. And, you know, it's just, it's always great, uh, Laurent, when great stories meet great storytellers. And that's what we see with Mama's Boy. And you just did a fabulous job throughout the documentary. And so it was very well done. You mentioned Lance's mother, Anne. She is one of the central characters in this story. And we just found her so moving and inspirational. Uh, She battled childhood polio, as we said a moment ago. She survived abusive marriage. She is an inspiration throughout the documentary. Did you find her story, do you think that connects with those individuals throughout the world who are grappling with this issue of, uh, of acceptance of the LGBT community, the inclusivity, equality? I mean, it was just, it was really uh, fascinating to see her evolution throughout the documentary. Yeah, no, I mean... I felt that this very singular story, micro story, was universal and was actually macro, you know. Um, As I said, you know, I related to it. Uh, It was harder for me to come out to my mom than it was to come out to my dad, for example. So I related to, to that aspect of it. I was more afraid of my mom's reaction than I was <laughs> of my dad's reaction. Uh, um, and and so, you know, even on that simple level, you know, it was um, it was relatable. Also, the fact that we were filming this uh, during COVID, mm-hmm. and I'll go a little bit into the behind the scenes because I think it will inform your question as well. But, you know, Anne had polio, which was also uh um y- you know something similar in a sense right. uh, um and 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 so suddenly it felt like if i'd made the film a year before before covid it wouldn't have felt necessary it would have felt historical now it just felt like oh wow we're going through a very similar thing mm-hmm. where a lot of people were losing their lives uh, um and, and 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 that was you know very tragic and and so the fact that we were going through something uh, um, similar, uh, um, you, you know, made it even more uh, pertinent to our times. And, you know, that's always what you want to find when you're making if, even a story of the past. You always want to make sure it connects with the present. And so uh, um, it was it was uh, like today, you know, the Mormon church recognized uh, gay marriage. So, I mean, you know, this story continues to echo right. uh, uh, um, uh, throughout, you know, current news uh, um, having to do with the similar uh, uh, subjects. But, you know, the thing that I would try to do is to build 
to I tried to recreate a journey for Lance because he was the central figure of of the film and um, sort of like the ringleader of of it. I didn't want voiceover narration or anything like this. So so what I did was to recreate his his life or talk about his life in continuity of the way we were shooting the film. So in other words, the, the first time you see him and he is in this little kitchen, you know, uh, was very deliberate uh, to start there. And then we ended on his last interview on the hills of Hollywood overseeing the city yeah. so that you really get a sense of transformation of, of, of a journey subliminally, you know, the accent of turquoise that you see in colors in that kitchen at the beginning is throughout the film. I tried to even cheat it in some shots through colorization because I wanted to connect certain interviews in a color way, you know, uh, using colors. So everything is very, was very structured. We kept the momentum going not only because of the the health crisis that we were you know feeling and had to be very responsible but we kept filming for 14 days and that's what we did we never had additional filming or reshoot or anything so it was it was timed and everybody showed up and i tell you it was emotionally draining because halfway into the film you know when we're going back to places where lance was you know, abused and all that, you know, you, you, you have to have, of course, your production hat of getting sure. the shots and getting the interviews, but then you have to have your heart on, you know, going like, Oh my God, this man is reliving something really painful. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and it got to a point where it got to be a little much for him. And, and we had to press pause for, for, for a short or a very short bit. And, and, but he was so courageous, you know, I wanted to be extremely respectful of his own process and what he was going through. I'll, I'll, I'll also tell you that, um, during one of the interviews, uh, one of my crew members, uh, broke down and came to me and asked to leave the movie because it was so, he was himself struggling with um, with something that sort of resonated mm. in the story, sure. and so as I was making the film, I was realizing how much bigger you know the story was, and how much it would potentially affect viewers who watched it. Um, and, and uh, um, you know, it's very humbling to some degree, and it's also very empowering to realize that you're, you're telling a story that you experience yourself reading a book, you know, very private kind of thing, and then suddenly you, 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 you're, you're reliving events, you know. And I have to tell you, I was crying during all oh, the interviews, I'm you sure. know, uh, because I'll just say this as an aside, you know, I was feel very insulted when people say, oh, those talking heads in your, I'm like, talking heads? Those are not talking heads. Those are close-ups, close-ups into a human being. Mm. Uh, um, Talking head to me is like a puppet, you know? And, and, you know, when you watch a movie, you have white shots and you have close-ups, you don't call talking heads, right? So so I I get very um, 
uh, uh, involved, you know, when I'm interviewing a person and I, I, I always make them the center of attention. It's no longer about me and I'm channeling mm -hmm. their, their emotions. And therefore, you know, I, I feel moved and, and, and I st start to cry pretty much each time we started talking about losing Anne or losing, you know, Lance's brother or any of the things that were extremely emotional. As you described the emotional response by one of the colleagues there on set, um, I hope that you realize and that our listeners realize that films, documentaries like Mama's Boys are not only educational, they're life-saving because there are individuals out in the world who are going through exactly what Lance and his brother and his friends have gone through. And they can, that because of the storytelling, now they can see beyond their own plight. So thank you so much for, for making this. I loved, I was going to mention you, you were talked about the intentionality with the setting and where he was and the colors. And it, that was so impactful. I'm, I'm not a filmmaker, but I just want to note that to you that that was very impactful. Um, in, in particular, the the scenes you shot going back to his apartment at his graduation party when his mom showed up, and I'm going to get to just talking <laughs> about it. And the way that she communicated with him, and the way that she um, accepted him, and just that moment was so powerful. And and seeing those shots, like I, I shared with you before we went on, we we have a son in LA who who is a writer and kind of you know in this arena and I I saw that apartment I saw his friends I saw that that moment and it it was very powerful so yeah and just you. the way you you and Lance set that up uh to remind us of her own struggle through polio the clickety clack mm -hmm. of walking through the hall yeah. or up the steps and it's almost her own struggle to get to this point where she can embrace her son fully. It's just beautiful storytelling, man. That's what so I'm trying great. to say. And in that moment where oh, she looks at him you, and just says, I'm, what are you going to do? I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy you 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 responded so so personally also to it. You know, it's like when I I also you know one great pride with the film was the music. I worked with this new composer. I'd never worked with her before, but she was. Uh, she she did the score for this beautiful documentary on Selma Blair, and and she did something for James Cameron also. And and when you know, I try not to um, to give too much direction. I want the composer to sort of embrace the the story. But in this case, I really had this vision, a uh, musical vision, which came from a movie I saw when I was a kid called The Deer Hunter. At the end of the film, the whole group of friends, minus, you know, the ones who passed away, uh, um, are reunited around a table and they start singing God Bless America. And and then when they finish, they, you know, they raise their glasses and they freeze frame. And you have this beautiful, beautiful score called Cavatina, which is a, a, a guitar piece. And... and I said to her that that's the music I've been listening to as I'm prepping the film. Um, and so she immediately embraced guitar as a, a piece of, of, of Lance's mom voice, if you will. And, um, and just like when I did the film on Natalie Wood, I wanted it to be a waltz. You know, I, I was like this sort of, 
dizzying kind of life that she had. And, and I wanted the music to evoke, you know, that same sort of, you know, is it going to end? Am I going to fall? Am I going to feel, you know? And, and so music was very much part of my inspiration when I was talking about Lance's mom and remembering that music from the deer hunter would get me all choked up, you know? Um, so all that went into really preparing all that went into really preparing something that, you, you know, is very well thought out. You, you know, I want people to know that, you know, to make a film like this, you really have to be super prepared. It's, it's, um, it's something that's very uh, th- th- that needs a lot of care and attention and love. Yeah, I, I, it was it was wonderful, and you just did a great job putting it together. Another component to the story was California's Prop Eight measure banning same-sex marriage. From that moment, Lance began to pour himself into advocacy. That arc led him to confront his mother's old religion, Mormonism. The LDS Church had financially supported Prop 8. And so, you know, as a a faith-based media company ourselves, how did you handle that religious component of it? Because a lot of the story was uh, confronting this dogma and this fundamentalism try to break through and find common ground with just some LDS members to find common humanity so that they could see Lance and the LGBT community as human beings. So how did you deal with religion in the aspect? You know, it's a great question. I, I, I have to tell you, that was the most intimidating aspect of, of it because I am, you know, like I said, I grew up in France, you know, um, the first time I heard the word Mormon was because my next door neighbor liked the Osmond brothers and said, <laughs> Oh, they're Mormons. And why was that mean? And I had no idea what it was. Uh-huh. And, and even, you know, until I read the book, I didn't really know anything. Uh, uh, um, and, and so I let Lance guide me on this. You know, we went back to the church where he, he, he heard that being, a homosexual was a sin. Uh, you, you, you know, I approached it from his point of view and his own sort of realization of what that was, you know, so, so that I, so it didn't become, if you will, preachy or anything like this, right. you know, uh, but um, again, you know, it, it was to let the story tell itself as opposed to, explain it and 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 stop the whole film and suddenly dive into something more uh, um i don't know a bigger explanations or bigger uh historical backgrounds if you will uh i just felt it was the fabric of who he was and and i wanted to really get his own point of view and his own experience of it and then his own you you, you know perspectives on on you, you know, on a uh, uh, meeting with the church when his crusade began uh, um, and what that meant. And w- we shot in Utah, as you know, and it was interesting walking around with Lance. He would point to things to me. You see, you know, this is 
This is the way that the Mormons live. This is the way right. that they, and I was just like fascinated, sure. you know? So it's it really, it, you know, I, I wanted to be uh, a very much his point of view, very much his, um, his story so that it never became a, some kind of, um, lesson or history lesson, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I thought you struck the perfect tone because and what I really appreciated about it is it could have been easy to fall in uh, to uh, the condemnation of the Mormon church or the dogma of fundamentalism. And what you did with the story is you just, you stated fact, this is what they did, this is what they believed. But then you you followed Lance into this conversation that he inserted himself with uh, local Mormons there in Utah and really unpacked this concept that is unfortunately novel today that even though we may have differences, if we talk to one another, we can find commonalities. And when we find commonalities, we realize we're all human beings and we can support one another. And so I just thought it was brilliantly done. And to me, the way you told the story is a pathway for many of us to follow who are advocating for inclusivity and equality to engage people of faith who may not be where we are, but to engage them and to talk to them and to discuss, uh, discuss our faith, discuss uh, why this is so important for the LGBT community. So I just thought it was brilliantly done. Yeah, and we, we, we did have, um, you know, there's a little bit of footage of Lance at a church, you know. Uh, I filmed inside churches that are not uh, Mormons, but uh, um, uh, um, I, I just felt that, you know, the whole aspect of religion, you know, was very much of an aspect of his family, even outside the Mormon sure. church. Yeah. And so I tried to bring in a lot of religious kind of overtone in certain of the interviews so that it felt very, uh, very much of a subliminal kind of undercurrent, you know, because faith is the fabric of this country, you know, and very much the fabric of most of us. And, and, and um, from different, we all have our own way of experiencing it, you know, but I, I just felt it was very important to, because it was important to his family Therefore, it needed to have a presence visually, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So in hearing you talk today and then in also doing some research about your background before this conversation, it's very clear that you take something away from every um, work of, of art that you put out there. So what what effect and, and what takeaways did you have after making this documentary? Well, um, you guys have the, the tough questions. <laughs> uh, um, uh, um, you 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 know, every film I've, I've ever made um, is always a journey of discovery, and I look for for that. Obviously, I gravitate towards stories that interest me, but, but I try to have a, to approach them as curiosity, and I want definitely elements in them of things that I don't know about that are going to force me into research and force me into you. you you know, sometimes when you, you, let's say you do something about something you know really well, you tend to, to interview people with knowledge and, and there is a bit of a tug of war between you and the subject because, because you know so much. 
you want to approach storytelling in a way that you're very curious and you want to learn because that's what you want the viewers to be (laughs) experiencing, you know? So I try to do things that, yes, interest me, but, um, and things that speak to aspect of my, my own personality, you know, uh, um, and my own passion. But I would say that mama's boy was one that was, uh, um, that pushed me even further in that I, I have never made a film about uh, LGBTQ and 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 that's a, an important aspect of my life. Uh, obviously, it is my life. And I felt a duty to to Lance, who had the courage of fighting on on our behalf, you know. Uh, and so that 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 was something that was very important to me. I have a husband, and I couldn't have him if not for Lance. Right. Um, and so uh, there was a bit of a, a debt, you know. Um, uh, so so it pushed me to examine, you know, my own values in a sense, and my own um, the the kind of stories I want to tell. Uh, uh, that speak maybe about about uh, not so not necessarily just my passion for for film and but also my passion for uh, uh, for life and lifestyle and choices and 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 things that can be helpful and hopefully inspiring for other people who are just discovering who they are today. Well, Laurent Bouzereau, thank you so much for being a guest with us this week on Good Faith Weekly. His newest documentary is on HBO and HBO Max. It is called Mama's Boy. And as soon as you hit stop on this podcast, you're going to want to rush to a television or a mobile device and watch it. Well, Laurent, before we let you go, we've got one last question for you. Well, first, I have a comment that I want to tell you that I, like I said earlier, as soon as I watched the documentary, I went and uh, got the book on Audible. And after this, I will be devouring your library of films. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm I'm so intrigued by your work. And I thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah, my dad and mom are listeners to this podcast. And I have to say... My dad is a huge Natalie Wood fan, so he is going to be rushing to see your documentary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that film. And yeah. and again, you know, I hope I said the right things for for for, for you in this interview. You know, it's I'm not the best at this kind of stuff. Oh, you you were fabulous. This was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. We thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. So, Laurent, as you may know, our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. In light of your work and our conversation today, what is your more to tell? Well, I I think it's, first of all, it's an amazing question because there's always more to tell, you know. And I think that um, the answers are not necessarily easy, uh, but they're worth exploring. Oh, so, I love that. Uh, that's what I try to do in, in, in my films is always ask questions and and explore them to to their fullest um and and hopefully find some answers and a little sliver of a mirror that reflects back onto you and you've taken something away from it great words of wisdom to end the interview on laurent thank you so much and we wish you the very best and you're welcome back anytime so next time you uh publish or you uh, produce a new documentary please be our guest and come back absolutely i would love to thank you so much beautiful talking to you guys thank you
just finished an incredible conversation with Laurent. Missy, I mean, this was, I mean, God, he is full of wisdom. He is. And before we get too much further into conversation, I want to tell our listeners that I um, apologize if you have not seen the documentary and you are somebody who gets completely offended about spoilers. Yes. You might press pause and go watch the documentary because I cannot promise that there won't be some spoilers. So anyways, that's that's my disclaimer. If you're somebody it's a good who, disclaimer. who I doesn't appreciate want a that. spoiler... Just, I, I don't know what's coming. Yeah, this like, is all I mean, ad-lib. You know, like, we, like we said a while ago, I mean, the kids are in the back and we, we give them a spoiler. You know, mom and dad may let out, you know, an expletive. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I've been in the car with you. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Anyways. No, that was, a, a, I, I've never interviewed a director before. Yeah. So that was kind of um, fun to hear from his side, from behind the scenes. Um, but you mentioned something during the interview about, the importance of story and about the, you know, how amazing it is when good stories meet good storytellers, mm-hmm. which is definitely the case with this documentary. Mm-hmm. But in light of what we mentioned in the opening about the shooting in Colorado, I think we would do well to talk a little bit about exactly what you mentioned, the importance of stories. Mm-hmm. That, that is how we learn to relate to one another, is how we learn to see ourselves. In fact, Laurent, in his More to Tell, I jotted down a couple of things that he said. And one was, you know, when you ask questions and explore to the fullest, you find a sliver of a mirror that reflects onto you and you've taken something away from it. And I think that's what we have to do. We have yeah. to start looking at each other and finding that commonality and seeing that we're all people of value and I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it just struck me in light of recent events. You know, we have often, we have often lost the understanding of how powerful narrative is, but the reality is narrative is one of the most powerful influencers upon who we are as individuals, as well as communities we have fallen into the trap of this concept of debate and belief and talking points in order to enter into debate. Um, It was, it was born in the age of rhetoric between Socrates and Plato of arguing their points and to try to win the argument through rhetoric that has carried on into Western civilization. Other parts of the world do not use that type of debate style in order to get their point across or to shape culture. We were story people. Mm -hmm. We were narrative people. Now, you and I are people of faith. We come from the Christian tradition. Some of the most important stories that we were told growing up was the origin stories that we came, we were created Mm -hmm. by a divine force that it was intentional that the creator of the universe and this world looked down upon it and said, we are going, I'm going to create human beings. And so that gave us a starting point. And then those narratives continued, and we see that throughout the entire uh, Hebrew Scriptures into the New Testament. And speaking of the New Testament, you know who was a master at storytelling? <laughs> um, 
Let me think. <laughs> yeah, uh, Yeshua, Jesus. Standard Sunday school answer, exactly, right? Jesus. Exactly, exactly. And you know, and Jesus, even in his sermons, he would talk about principles and ethics, but he did so in a way that wasn't trying to make a point or to persuade you. And in many instances, he simply just told parables, told stories. Well, that's what I was thinking, even as someone who's, you know, spent a lifetime preaching sermons and trying to analyze the text of scripture and all these things, you know, as, as great of a job as you did and still do, that's not what people are going to always remember. They're going to remember the story you told. They're going to tell, whether it's about our family or about somebody you knew, that's what resonates with people because we like to see ourselves in other people. And that's one reason I feel like documentaries like this, um, which, and also his book, I'm almost finished is, is just fantastic. Um, it's just called Mama's Boy by Lance Black. Um, we've got to get more stories like this out in the hands of people. We've got to be able to relate to someone, to humanize. We just do such because a great job of because these stories, othering everyone. Absolutely. These stories connect connect us with so many emotions. It makes us think. Mm-hmm. Stories like Lance's challenges those people who may think differently about LGBTQ plus people. Mm-hmm. So they're challenging, they're intellectual, but they're also emotional. Mm-hmm. And they draw us in when you hear the life struggle of not only Lance, but particularly his mother. His mother. It draws you in. And it invites you to set in that house to walk in that person's shoes. And if you accept that invitation, you will be a changed human being. Right. And so that is what we're trying to do at Good Faith Media is to bring back the narrative, to make it a central part of our spiritual journey as human beings. Because it is so important to know where we came from, where we are, and how to relate to other people because we all don't grow up in the same scenarios and situations. Right. And also we should have gun control. <laughs> let, me just, <laughs> let me just insert that. Well, in there. there's a lot There's a lot of stories to tell about that. So. Now, I say all of this because there is a caveat, because I have talked about this uh, many times in presentations I've done and talked about the power of narrative, and everybody agrees with that conclusion. But there's also a lot of people who live this narrative who still refuse. And I think about the children, the LGBTQ children whose parents have rejected them. Mm -hmm. The young people who have found themselves pregnant and have sought reproductive choices for themselves. Mm -hmm. And their parents and family have rejected them. Sometimes the narrative takes a long time to play out. Yes, and you and I don't have much patience for that these days. No, we do not. (laughs) But you know, we do. I mean, that. But that is a reality. I mean, just because you've got a good story and you tell it doesn't mean it's going to change everybody's mind, because it's just an invitation. The other person who is listening to the story has to be willing to accept that invitation to be drawn in. We had a conversation, kind of a difficult one. A few weeks ago, we were um, at the lake with some friends and there was a gentleman there who um, is gay. And 
we were talking about society and changing and, and, you know, you were kind of saying that, you know, this, it's changing as people, you know, as you know, someone, you know, it's easy to hide in your bubble when you don't know anyone who's this or that thing, whatever label we put on them. Um, but you know, when all of a sudden it's your son, it's your brother, it's your friend. And, and he said, why does it always have to be someone, you know, why can't you just love and have compassion, even if you don't know him, that, that person. And he's absolutely right. And I don't have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know. And it's frustrating, but what I do know is we keep trying, we keep plugging away, we keep humanizing people and, you know, doing the work in hopes that no one else will pick up a gun and walk into any public place anywhere mm-hmm. and take out their anger, their hate, their ignorance on innocent human beings. Yeah. The problem, as I see it, I talked a little bit about this in a sermon that I preached at Royal Lane Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas uh, this past weekend, that Jesus, as he invites us along on this journey, says there's really two requirements, and that is to love God and to love other people as you would love yourself. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. But we have a problem with that. And the problem we have is this. Most Christian people will say, I love you, but. Mm-hmm. And once that but is inserted, you can pretty much disregard Everything. the first three words. Everything. Because there it's limited. It's limited. It, it has parameters. That love has parameters, uh, has its limitations. You have to fit into somebody's mold in order for them to love you properly. Mm-hmm. And that goes against what Jesus taught us. It really does. One of the, I don't know, most poignant moments in the documentary to me, and again, here's spoiler alert, um, is when Lance discovers, he goes back to Salt Lake City and he discovers that there is actually a pride parade mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City. He was very surprised to learn that, as was I. Um, but there's photos of, of people with signs and this one person had a sign, it was many Mormon um, people, and one person had a sign that said, sorry, I'm late. And mm-hmm. I just lost it. <laughs> I right. just... Yeah. It, I, I, don't, I don't know... I, I hate that that was so amazing and heartwarming on one hand, but on the other hand, we can no longer afford for people to be late to the table. People are dying. I can't, I really can't add to that. I mean, because of my tardiness to this issue, I'm a very strong advocate at this time, but because of my tardiness, people died. People suffered. They were marginalized and they were oppressed. And the only thing I can do is to ask for forgiveness for my tardiness. And if I know my LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters well enough, I know that they are a loving community. Absolutely. And so when we show up at the pride parades and say, Sorry that we are late, but we are here and we are proud and we are not going away. Absolutely. That's what we need to be doing. And that moment was very, very poignant. Now for me, and I'm not going to give away the the stories, but there is a moment in the story 
where Lance's mom, Anne, who's been struggling with his identity, shows up at his house mm-hmm. with a su- surprise. Surprised, showed up at his house. We can house. say, I mean, we already gave spoiler warning. Okay. So you can so say it's his graduation party. It's his graduation from UCLA Film School. And she surprises him. And they're having a party. And all of his gay and lesbian friends are there. And just the picture that Laurent sets for that moment. Mm -hmm. Because Anne, early on in life, had polio. She's always walking with the help of crutches. And she struggles up that front porch, into that front door, into this world that she's uncomfortable with. And the end of that scene just had me in tears. Mm -hmm. And it was heartbreaking and beautiful and restorative all at one moment. Yes. So I think that's where a lot of people are. Those people who grew up in conservative churches and conservative households, they love their gay and lesbian children, their transgender children, their friends, their associates, but they've got this big thing holding them back and they're struggling up the porch. Keep struggling because there's going to be somebody and it's going to be an LGBTQ plus person who opens that door for you and invites you into a conversation and your world will be changed. Well, in, uh, I guess to wrap it all up, because I don't want to end on a low note. <laughs> no, you know, and it's been a heavy week. I mean, this, uh, it, and, and, you know, a lot of heavy topics in this documentary, uh, Mama's Boy on HBO. Uh, but it, it is inspiring. It is too. a great, it inspiring, is very inspiring story. I would say that we have three assignments for our listeners this week. One is to listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. which you have if you've made it this far. The next is to watch the documentary. It is beautiful. And then after that, Grab the book. It's it's also great. Absolutely. So. And I got two more to add on to that. Oh, gosh. I want you to have a very happy Thanksgiving and eat lots of turkey and fixings. Go overboard on Thursday and just have a, a wonderful time. And then here's my second. Do not, do not bring up politics at the table. <laughs> I'm telling you, folks. You will thank me after the fact. Do not talk about the midterms at all. Just... Remember, you are to love your neighbor, even if they are your relative. (laughs) (laughs) Even if. All right, well, let's sign off, and we will be back next week. All right, well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanksgiving. You've been listening to Good Faith Weekly, hosted by Mitch and Missy Randall. This weekly podcast from Good Faith Media discusses matters of faith and culture. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a like and a glowing review. We produce the podcast out of Norman, Oklahoma. Our music comes from Pond 5. And we're supported by listeners like you. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org.